broadcast, everyone. This is Brother Jason, and you are listening to the Apostolic Bible Study Time podcast. We've been in the book of Romans here for the last few months. Last time we left off with Romans 3 and 27, but before we jump into the scripture, for questions or comments, our email address is apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. That's apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash apostolicbiblestudytime. Again, that is facebook.com forward slash apostolicbiblestudytime. Well, last time we left off in the book of Romans, the third chapter and the 27th verse, Paul says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. According to the Word of Flame Study Bible note on verse 27 says, Here the word law means a principle. Since man's salvation is based on the principle of faith in the work of Christ, not the principle of works, no man can boast. Romans 3.28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Brother Bernard's message of the Romans on page 95 The note for verse 28 says, The word conclude here means to reckon. This verse does not proclaim justification by faith as a new conclusion, but uses it to show the reason why boasting is excluded. The verse restates the doctrine of justification by faith in clear terms. God counts us righteous because of our faith in him not because of good works or strict adherence to the law. We are justified apart from the deeds of the law. We cannot earn salvation in any way. God does not reward our good works or our holiness by granting salvation. We do not live holy in order to be saved. We live holy because we are saved. We do not work to salvation. We work from salvation. We do not get good to get God. We get God to get good. As long as we continue to walk by faith, we have assurance of salvation. Now, one of my favorite scriptures to illustrate this is 1 Timothy, 2nd chapter and the 5th verse. Says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm quoting and talking at the same time. The, the man, Christ Jesus. When we look at this scripture and we look at our salvation and we look at the sacrifice that he has given us on the cross. The only way that you can have his righteousness applied to you is to stay there before the cross, to keep that mediator in between you and God. You you keep that sacrifice so when God looks down through that sacrifice, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is upon you. 
But if you start getting feeling big and everything and you think you can go do things on your own and you believe God owes you or you believe you're doing something extraordinary and God's lifting you up higher than everybody else, then you are walking away from that mediator. There's absolutely nothing any of us can do to work our salvation. It is the free gift, and that is all through the Word of God, that it is a free gift. The Word of God tells us how to have our relationship with God in our relationship with one another. But salvation comes by God. Salvation comes through the works of Jesus Christ. That's why we have to have that mediator between us and God. The mediator has to stay there. We cannot walk away from it because no matter what you do, there's nothing you will ever do to be holy enough There's nothing you can ever do to be righteous enough to have earned your own salvation, to have earned the right to walk away from that sacrifice. The only way any of us will ever be saved is through that sacrifice, through that mediator. Moving along here, Romans 3 and 29, he says, Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. There's many people, they look at Jesus and they'll call him Yeshua, the the Jewish Messiah, but he wasn't just the Messiah for the Jews. He is the Messiah for the whole world. And as Paul breaks this revelation down as we go, we find out that we are grafted in to that good olive tree, and this is covered in depth in Romans 11, so I have tried to stay out of it the best I can, but it's some of my favorite passages of Scripture are in that area, but we are grafted in to Israel, but all flesh belongs to God. Ezekiel 18 and 4, he says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Numbers 27 and 16. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. But most of we, what we see in the word of God itself is God's relationship with the descendants of Abraham. But it is clear that when you read the word of God, yes, it is written about the descendants of Abraham. It is clear God has something for the entire human race. Acts uh, 17 and 24 through 26, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, 
and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. When we read this, we understand that uh, my blood, although most of my ancestry is from Western Europe, my blood is no more pure than your blood if you are from the Orient. If you're from China, if you're from Japan, he used one blood to make all peoples. To begin with, we were all descended from Adam and Eve. And then after that, we were all descended from Noah and his family. But we all have come from that same source of blood. So we don't have bragging rights over one another. Now, where our ancestors are from, yes, there are different characteristics about everyone, but in your DNA is all of mankind and all the traits. You just have different dominant genes, but that that's getting further than what I want to go to here. But we are all descended from the same blood. So when God looks down, and again, uh, when we go and we look and see Noah's prophecy over his sons, he talks about the descendants of Japheth dwelling in the tents of Shem. And that's what you and I are doing right now. We have become that covenant people with God. We are the descendants of Japheth, and we are dwelling in the tents of Shem. It was prophesied long ago, but moving along here, Romans 3 verse 30, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Now we read about circumcision, we understand if you have any... uh, knowledge of the Old Testament, that this is what God gave to Abraham, clear back in the book of Genesis, but God was trying to get another truth across to the descendants of Jacob through circumcision. Colossians 2, verses 10 and 11, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So when we go to the book of Acts and uh, we read uh, the 15th chapter, and we can go over to Galatians and we can see the fallout of what's going on here, they were going around and they were preaching circumcision to these Gentile believers that God had filled with the Holy Ghost. And when they came in there, I can tell you that those people still didn't get what circumcision was all about. This circumcision that is uh, not from the putting on of hands, but the circumcision of Christ. God was trying to get something deeper across, clear back when they were wandering in the wilderness. Deuteronomy, the 10th chapter, we're going to read 14 through 16. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Now verse 16, 
circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. So was circumcision important to the Hebrew people? Well, yes, they would take that child on the eighth day and I understand there's actually something medically um, appropriate about the circumcision on the eighth day that for some reason the newborn male, the nerve endings are different at that period of time. But anyways, they would take the child out and they would circumcise the male, but God was trying to get through the hardness of their hearts. God wasn't worried so much about the foreskin of their flesh as he was about what was going on in their hearts. Micah, the sixth chapter, we're going to read verses six through eight. He says, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath shewed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to walk justly. I'm sorry, misread. But to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Again, let's back this up in Joel, the second chapter in the 13th verse. And rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. So the point is that God was always looking for the circumcision of the heart. Uh, anybody is capable of putting an outward show of loving God and being his people. But the Apostle John says it this way. 1 John 5, verses 1 through 3, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And every one that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. So we can go to church and you can blow the trumpet before you as you're dropping the tithing envelope down into to the offering tray that's being passed around there and they can call on you for a closing prayer to the service and you know what you can stand there and quote every scripture and you can pray for an hour when everybody's trying to go home and eat or whatever and all that's fine and dandy you know a lot of times that stuff is just part of church life but what the apostle was saying if you really love God and if you're really grateful for being saved from the condemnation then there's a biblical way to show it keep his commandments uh, if you've been in church any amount of time at all 
then you've walked and you've seen people come in and you've seen some that just instantly like they took to it and that they put on a good show and they show up when the doors are open and then after a while you'll start seeing things and they'll start doing things and then they'll start missing services and maybe you'll see their car parked at the bar or something. Just all kinds of examples you can think of. But the point is, people want to put on a good show in front of one another. And I guess that's just part of the the, the being in church. That's part of the life we have being in the body of Christ. You're always going to have those people with you. The tares are always going to grow with the wheat, and it is so difficult to tell the tares from the wheat. But John is saying if you love God, then you're going to keep his commandments. Romans 3 and 31. Do we make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. And I do want to bring this out a little more clearly what I'm talking about. I am not going against what the Apostle Paul is saying. I'm not trying to say you keep these commandments to be saved. But the way that you walk in gratitude is the same way that you walk in holiness. Jesus told the uh, Pharisees and the scribes in the, believe it's the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew, he said, you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inwardly, it's, well, <laughs> just to paraphrase it, you're nasty. You're, you're pretty on the outside, but you're nasty on the inside. And that's what Jesus was getting across to him. When he cleaned you up on the outside, which it is important, he cleaned you up on the inside. We read his word and we see things that are pleasing to him, but it's when the inward part of the vessel is clean that that is manifested on the outside. Now, Psalms 111, verses 7 and 8, the works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever are done in truth and uprightness. So I, I want you to stop and think about this. Yes, the law is fulfilled in Jesus. Does that mean it's okay now to have a graven image in your home? Is it okay to have an idol now? Um, is it okay to commit adultery now because he fulfilled all the commandments? I always get a kick out of this question, and I plan on doing uh, sort of a supplement to go over the law of Moses and to go over the law of God, because the Ten Commandments are eternal. When we read the precepts and we read what Paul refers to in the book of Ephesians in the second chapter, it's commandments contained in ordinances. Well, that's the daily sacrifices, and that's the putting four tassels on your cloak and uh, not wearing a garment made of wool and of cotton. Uh, it it's, has a spiritual application, but when we talk about the law of God, that's not what we're talking about. 
all these things were written on the uh, the, the the skins, the the lamb skins, and they were rolled up, and they had a place of honor, but they were placed on the outside of the ark in the holy of holies. Um, David says, Psalm one nineteen verse eleven. He says. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now that gives us an idea what's getting ready to happen to us here. But Jeremiah, we're going to pick up in 31 and 31. He says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their heart and will be their God and they shall be my people. So we're reading this and we're understanding. And as I said, Paul goes over this revelation in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans. We have to be grafted into Israel. For years it was preached, and for years I had the idea that... Um, Israel had to be saved through Christ, and that is true. Their, their Messiah is the only one that will save anybody that is from uh, the, the, the seed of Abraham. It has to be through their Messiah. But I've always heard my lifetime that there is going to be a Gentile bride. Um. <laughs> Going to get myself in trouble here, I'm sure. But the idea of the Gentile bride is not in Scripture. It's just not in there. We are grafted in to Israel. Now, does that mean that, um, well, to, to, to keep using it, does that mean that I need to put four tassels on my cloak and that I can't put diverse kinds of seeds out in my garden together? I, I can't have uh, organic and I, I can't have uh, heirloom and mix it together with some kind of hybrid strawberry and have strawberry plants out there that aren't a natural way. No, these things were given to Israel. That was their culture and that was the laws for their society. But when he says that he is going to write his law in the inward parts, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. Again, when we get to Romans, the 13th chapter, you will find this to be true, where Paul says, yes, by all means, he has written it in love in your heart, because if you have the love of God in your heart, you're not going to steal, you're not going to commit adultery, you're not going to be coveting, you're not going to be doing these things. He writes the law in our hearts, so we obey him. Just like the law was written and placed under the mercy seat, it was placed in the Ark of the Covenant. The law of Moses was laid on the outside of the Ark in the Holy of Holies. So 
I, I know sometimes it's a little confusing and yes, I'm a pastor and yes, I'm a teacher, but sometimes I feel like I do a, a terrible job trying to articulate what is in my mind and making it come out of, <laughs> making it come out of my mouth, but it is such a fascinating subject to see what God has done for us. We know in verse 31 when he says, do we make void the law of faith, the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. We know because of the law, it's never going to be okay to have another God. These Ten Commandments, they are eternal and they are for all of mankind. I hope I didn't scare anybody off through all of this, and I I hope you will stick around and allow me to explain this. And you are welcome to put your input in there. Uh, the email address, again, is apostolic Bible study time at gmail.com. I am not one of those that says that you cannot question what I say. I'm a nobody. That, that's exactly who I am. I am a nobody. But I welcome the correspondence. If you have another idea that you want to put out there, if you want to correct me, if you've got scripture, you go right on ahead because we are all trying to please the same one here. We are all trying to make it to the same eternal paradise of God. So just... Stick around, please. And like I said, it, correspondence, apostolic Bible study time at gmail.com. Next time we will be picking up, I believe it will be episode 11. We will be picking up in the fourth chapter of the book of Romans. But um, our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash apostolic Bible study time. Again, facebook.com forward slash apostolic Bible study time. But Lord willing, we'll pick up there next time. Until then, this is Brother Jason reminding you that Jesus is not in the Godhead. The Godhead is in Jesus. Colossians 2 and 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Until next time, goodbye and God bless. Perfection, our righteousness and power. Yeah.